Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the third episode of the Humans Unplugged podcast. I've always wanted to bring, I've always wanted to have a podcast where I got to have deep conversations with people that I thought were really interesting. And I made a little list of questions that I would ask people if they came onto my podcast. And then I thought, you know what? Well, I don't have anybody yet just because I'm not ready for that yet. I wanted to make sure I could get this thing up and running, that you guys could hear that, that it was a real thing. I wanted to make it real first. And then I would worry about getting people onto the podcast, right? So I actually made 15 questions that I am going to answer myself. And I thought it would be fun if you guys answered them too. So I've been thinking a lot about change lately and how much I've changed so much as a person because I think like there's so much change throughout my life and through all of our lives over the past few years or the past year or a few months or a few weeks or even since yesterday. I think one of the biggest changes in my life has actually been the rate of change that I experience. So like, for example, five years ago, I wasn't that different from one year to the next. Whereas now in my life, I feel like I'm a different person every day because I'm more in this safer feeling in my body where I feel safe enough to change and I'm willing to change. Um, I'm willing to adapt and grow and let go of some beliefs and some perspectives and unplug if that's what I have to do to become more of the person I want to be. So this is going to be a super short episode, but you know that game that's like, uh, what is it? Because strangers, because we're only strangers. Wait, what is it called? Hold on. I got to Google this. We're not really strangers. Okay. I'm doing this with myself, except I came up with the questions and I'm excited, right? Cause like I didn't, I, I wrote them with the intention of asking them to other people. So I didn't really think about my answers yet, but I wanted to keep it real. So I'm, I'm answering them kind of as we go. Are you guys ready? I'm going to put the questions also in the show notes. So feel free if you want the questions, take them, ask them to a friend, ask them to whoever, ask them to yourself if you're bored and you need a little fun activity while you're making yourself some pasta salad, whatever you want to do. All right, you guys ready? Question number one. In the past two weeks, which emotion have you felt the most frequently? This is very PHQ-9 depression questionnaire. In the past two weeks, how many times have you felt? That's my least favorite questionnaire ever. It's so bad. We'll get into that another time. Mm, What is my answer for this? You know what? Urgency has been my most frequent emotion. And I didn't expect myself to say something like that because I've experienced a lot of joy too, but urgency for sure is the most frequent. I've been stressing lately. I have definitely taken on more responsibilities for myself than I could reasonably deliver. 
And to be honest, I kind of think it had to happen that way for me to figure out what I can handle and to kind of get into this routine, right? Because I just started my business. I just moved to a different place. So like I'm kind of testing out the waters, figuring out what my new routine is like, what life is like for me, how I feel about a lot of new different things. And where I am right now is I'm, I'm a little bit overwhelmed, but I've, I've been settling into a different space so that I don't have to feel forced into that state constantly. Next question. What is a book that totally changed your perspective? I think if you're like a trauma or mental health professional, this is such a typical answer, but Waking the Tiger by Peter Levine. I read that in 2021, right before I started grad school. That book put into words everything that I had ever felt. And it just was like that last missing piece for me to understand my own fight or flight response from an evolutionary perspective. And it, it honestly was one of the core things that really sparked my own passion with nervous system work. That is a great book if anybody's interested. Um, it's a little heavy-ish, a little bit. So I always say like, you know, make sure you're in a good headspace if you read stuff like that. I, I love Peter Levine. I think he's, I, I love his work because it, it acknowledges trauma and it also, he really highlights empowerment. He talks about trauma and he talks about empowerment. And I think it's really important to talk about them both together. Number three, what is something you had to unlearn this year in order to grow. Mm. I'm like, mm, what a good question. Who came up with that? <laughs> um, for me, I had a really deep-seated belief in my nervous system that I wasn't even aware of. That I was always a step below enough. Like I was always second tier or second place, but that I was never allowed to be first and I was never allowed to be fully enough. Like I would have to keep chasing the enoughness. I'd have to keep chasing first place in whatever that means, in love or in happiness, whatever. I didn't believe that I could ever actually have it. I always thought that that was for the first place people. And realizing that I even had that belief helped me immensely in letting go of it and in seeing the truth of who I am and noticing how that has manifested in so many of my decisions, so many of my relationship issues in the past. Realizing that freed the living shizzynick shit shits out of me. All right, question number four. Who inspires you right now? Hmm. I think Esther, an amazing best friend of mine. She's always inspired me. I actually remember the first moment ever that I looked at this girl and I was like, you know, I'd met like other inspiring people in my life, but she offered inspiration in a way that I'd never been close to. She 
uh, I think we were in undergrad and we went to Wissahickon, which was where we went hiking in Philly. And we're sitting on a rock and she had just been through a really difficult breakup. And the way that she perceived the situation and the, the strength that she had to see it optimistically so bravely was a major game changer for me because I was like, you can see things how you choose to see things. She is somebody that is just so, so brave. I know she's gonna listen to this. So Esther, I love you to death. You are so brave and beautiful. I love you. Question number five. What is something you could talk about until four in the morning? For me, such a quick answer intuition and the subconscious <clears throat> i could talk about it for the rest of my life and i will that is the topic that i get the most excited like like if you bring that up i'm not leaving you alone i will trap you in a corner i also love knowing i love hearing about what other people love to talk about because somebody's passion is so unique to them what people love is so unique to them and I always think it's so, like, people like to make fun of, fun of people for being, like, passionate about the gym or, like, crypto or blah, blah, blah. I love it all. I, I mean, you can be passionate about forks. I mean, whatever it is, there's a reason why somebody gravitated towards that. And that thing fuels them. It gives them life. And so to hear them talk about it and to come to life and to see the look in their eyes when they talk about it and they're so excited, it makes me excited. And you see them... Ah! you see people completely shift their state. Like you see their body language completely change. You see their facial expression change. You, you see their posture, like everything changes when you bring up this topic because they could talk about it forever that like the whole physical realm disappears and they just get into flow talking about it. I love it. I love human beings. I really do. Um, okay. Question number seven, what kind of movement makes you feel the most alive? Dancing to a song that's like a soul song for me. I, I, is soul song a thing? I always say it, but I don't know if this is like a, to me like a soul song is something that, you know how people say a soulmate, right? Like you just naturally have a, a pull towards this person. And you can't really explain why, but it hits the same like every freaking time. This song hits like nothing else. It's so distinguishable for you. It's so specific. It's like that one song that when you hear it, you feel like you're in a different dimension. For me, that song is Lover You Should Have Come Over by Jeff Buckley. And I have a few of them, but like that's the first one I think of. When I put that song on, that song holds all of my pain and all of my joy at the same time. It holds every human emotion I've ever experienced. And I'll, and I'll show it to other people and people be like, yeah, it's good, I guess. And I'm like, that's okay. It's not their soul song. It's like this inexplicable feeling that you get. Can we, so can we start saying that soul song? Can we make it a thing? What's your soul song? But anyway, Putting on a soul song for me and dancing just without any boundaries at all 
is my favorite kind of movement. It makes me come to life immediately. Question eight. If you had five years to live, what would you do today? Without a doubt, I'm shipping out to Sicily. Like I'm hopping on a plane right now and I'm buying a one-way ticket. Sicily is my sole place. See, now I'm just gonna say it for everything. If you had five years to live, what would you do today? Like I like the today part. Not just what would you do in the five years, right? Because everybody would do everything that they could possibly think of. But like what you would do today says a lot about the priorities that you have within that five year period. When I get guests on here, I'm actually gonna ask, I'm gonna take a combination of maybe five of these questions. I'm gonna pick, depending on who the guest is and which ones I think are gonna go well, right? I'm gonna throw these questions at them and get some good conversation going. Number nine, what's something you used to do before you realized it was a waste of time? Hmm, what is my answer for that? I, I really have to think about this one. Because I think of a deeper level. Like I think of dating people after I knew the first time I met them that it would never work out. And just like still trying to quote figure it out when I already knew. Like I'm like, what well, this is not gonna go anywhere. But I don't do that anymore. Like if I know, then I know. And not just with like dating, but friendships too. If I don't, if, if we're talking and we're like, oh, I wanna grab a coffee, wanna get dinner, get wanna whatever, and I don't see us being friends long-term, then I don't really spend the time. Question number 10. What is your greatest strength in relationships? I think my people know that they can let their guard down with me. There's like a certain vulnerability that I sense people know that they're allowed to feel around me. The more that that's happened with my friends, because that's where it started, in friendships. And as I saw that, I started to become that more and be more of that person. And then as I did that, I saw it happening more with my family. And for example, like my grandfather called me the other day and he just had this vulnerability and this sweetness and this, and I've always had a wonderful relationship with him. But just the way that he, I don't know, he, he seemed to like have his guard completely down and just was like, I think about you all the time. I love you. And I, it made me emotional. It's like, this is the cutest thing ever. And I see it with my dad too. Like my dad has a different level of vulnerability. That is like one of the greatest honors ever. It's, it's actually one of the reasons why I got my master's to become a therapist because being somebody that other people can trust is one of the highest honors I could possibly imagine. And trust as in, um, you know, to, to trust you with the parts of themselves that they know are not perfectly presentable to the world. It is so beautiful to be let in on that. All right, number 11, we have five more to go. What is a belief or an idea that you recently changed your mind about? Swimming. I love swimming. I used to be really afraid of the water, going in the ocean, going in pools. For a while, I didn't do it at all because 
I remember being down the shore in Jersey and every time I went into the ocean and I was in the waves, some human would get like sucked up into a wave and the wave would throw them onto me. Like my little 11 year old body with like a huge man on top of me in the ocean. He's like, Oh my God. Never again. Never again. That it left a mark. It left a mark. Um, or one time I was in the pool and this kid thought it would be really funny to dunk me under because he knew that I was scared. And so I was in the water and I was like, just don't come within like a foot of me because I get like a little bit scared. And he came up to me and he shoved my head under and kept me under there. And I was like, okay, I was already afraid before, but now I'm for sure never coming back in the water again. Oh, my freaking, my cat's laser toy is going off. Hold on, hold on. While I'm up, I'm gonna get a piece of steak out of the fridge. Sorry. These are the things that I'm like, you don't have to put this in there. But then part of me feels like I need to put this in here. <gasps> oh my God. Okay. Number 12. I'm excited about this one. What is something you do that annoys your mom? And also just to like, you know, give an alternative here. If your mom isn't in your life or anything like that. Say like your best friend. Somebody who just like freaking knows you. Uh <laughs> I do so many things that annoy my mom, but my favorite one is she always tells me that I leave my shoes everywhere and she calls it the shoe factory. <laughs> this has never ceased to make me laugh. My mom makes fun of me because she says that like shoes just start <laughs> accumulating and she's like, why do you have so many shoes everywhere? Like pick one spot for your shoes or get rid of them. Also, when my mom tells me to do things, she has to stop in the middle of her sentence and be like, what did I just say? Because she knows that I'll say, <laughs> she knows that I'll say okay, and that I'll look her dead in the eye, and then I will walk away and have no idea what she said. <laughs> it's so weird. I only do it with my mom. I think I learned how to tune her out pretty young. Sorry, mom. Love you. Question number 13. Tell me about an object in your home that means a lot to you. Mine is without a doubt, my guitar. When I look at my guitar, I don't just think this is a musical instrument. I think this is the object that helped me survive middle school, high school, and every difficult moment in my life because I've used it as a tool for expression and a way to write music to just slow down, get that parasympathetic feeling going. Question number 14, two left. What's a decision you, you're, wait. What is a decision you made that your 18 year old self would thank you for. Ooh. Mm, I got a lot of those. I think leaving the house at 18, moving out, getting into a different environment, 
so that I could get some calm from the chaos of my home life was a lifesaver. I always, I always hoped, it, I always felt like that would be the thing that made a huge change in my life, but I didn't really know until I did it. And I really needed that kind of space in order to do my own exploring of myself and of life outside of my little bubble. I'm really grateful for that shit. Hmm. Last question of the day. What was a life-changing belief that you unplugged from? So I'm assuming you probably heard the first episode. If not, I really recommend listening to them in chronological order. I think it makes the most sense. But if you didn't, what I mean by that is what is the most life-changing belief or what is a life-changing belief that you were able to part from and set yourself free in a way by parting from that belief. We got sirens. I think one of, I think a really big one for me was I always thought that my value was external and that I couldn't actually be unconditionally loved for me. That's a big one, that letting go of. Um, and I don't know that I want to say letting go because that's not really how it works necessarily because that makes it seem so simple and I think sometimes it can be um, a little bit more of a process. But yeah, I thought that the only way to keep connection with a person was if I had something to offer them that they wanted I didn't think that what I was or who I was was enough. And that kind of goes to what I was saying earlier. Like, I, I had this belief that I was always just a step away from being enough, from being lovable or worthy or chosen. But I never thought I would really be in that place where I could have it. And also, to just go into depth a little bit on that, I realized that because I looked at my relationships and the things that I kept struggling with over and over again, right? Like when we see these patterns repeat themselves over and over and over again, it can be a time to say, all right, well, what do I believe about myself that keeps getting me into these patterns? Because it can't just be everyone else. What's that saying that's like, if, oh, I'm gonna mess this up. If one man calls you a donkey, blow them off. If two men call you a donkey, check for hoof marks. If three men call you a donkey, buy a saddle. I think I actually nailed that. There comes a point where if the pattern is happening over and over and over again, it's like we gotta look inside and see what belief is creating that pattern and manifesting it in our lives. But I noticed that I want to give, I wanted to give so much all the time. And I had to ask myself, I was like, why, why am I giving so much to people that don't even necessarily have earned that much of me? And not, you know, and saying earned isn't putting down their value as a person, but like, why am I giving so much to someone? What is my actual intention behind this? And is it coming from a place of love or is it actually coming from fear? 
And I realized that in a lot of ways it was coming from fear and that bled into my very people pleasery ways that I had too. And I had to ask like, what is this for? How is this protecting you? How is that making you feel safer? What is it that your nervous system is hoping to secure from doing that? So now I feel like I give what I want to give. And I start if I start to feel a little bit of like a, hmm, I'm giving too much, then I know that I'm overstepping my own boundary and that it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody else is overstepping a boundary because people aren't mind readers. People don't know exactly who you are and what you need and everything you want. And so yeah, dude, so yeah. That wraps up all 15 questions. I'm gonna ask myself these again exactly one year from now. And I'm gonna see how it changes. And I'm gonna do it the year after that and the year after that and the year after that. Cause I think it's actually a really cool tool to measure change. And there, there's so many ways of doing that. Like we can go to the gym and see how the manifestation of our physical body has changed. We can see in our relationships, the dynamics that we have with people and who's in our lives. That is a reflection of the change that's happened within us. And share the questions with someone in your life. Hear their answers. See where you guys differ. That's today's outro song. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to episode three. Um, don't miss out on yourself. See you guys next Thursday and every Thursday. Love you. Bye.